This is Latour Live with Dave Latour on News Radio WHP 580. Yeah! Welcome to another exciting episode of I always wanted to do that. Uh, <laughs> welcoming in our friendly co host, friendly neighborhood co host, Central Pennsylvania radio icon, Frank Schofield. You know, it's funny how that description changes and evolves and moves. Sure does. You're my on-air fiancé, though. Always first. Uh, Parksy. And there's the plane crash. Parksy on the big board. How are you? Hey, good to be here, guys. Is it a good day for radio? <laughs> it's a good day for radio. <laughs> is it a good day it for radio? It is a great day for radio. You know, you do look like the skipper from Gilligan's I Island. I said that. You I do look that. like Alan Hale. Is that you, a good thing? Well, yeah, you know who he is. Skipper. Yeah, I know who Alan You're Hale Alan is. Hale, but cooler. Right, right, right. There's well, definitely a cooler vibe to you that because you're not like, hey, little buddy. <laughs> but what do you think Alan Hale was like when the cameras stopped when he was in the skip or jerk, Gilligan? A total jerk, legendary total jerk off the air. Seriously? No, I have no idea. Right, I've got no clue. Was Gilligan a jerk? Was the professor a jerk? No, but Gilligan got arrested one time for uh, marijuana possession. Years wow. later, and that'd have been cool. Bob Denver today. His true name, his real oh, name. Now it'd be inedible. Bob Denver. Right. How you guys doing? Did you watch that show? I did. I watched reruns. I was I was not old enough to watch it live. Uh, I, I watched I watched reruns at my grandparents' house in Steelton. Going up in Steelton. So what other sitcoms so you did? Reruns. You did Gilligan's Island. You probably did The Adams Family. Nah, never liked The Adams Family. Never watched reruns of The Adams Family. Did you do the Stooges? Uh, yeah, on Saturday mornings. Yeah, absolutely. Three's Company. Oh, love <laughs> Three's Company. I. You know, look, I learned a lot about relationships watching Three's Company. Absolutely. Flintstones. <clears throat> Flintstones, yes. Rerun format in the 70s at my grandparents' house. You know, there were two shows that I thought I was really cool because I went ahead and I thought I was like, oh, I'm advanced. Yeah. One was The Twilight Zone, which was on, uh, I think, Channel 11. Yeah. WPIX out, out, of, out of New York. After yeah. Yankee right. Games, it would right. come on. I right. watching oh, yeah. that with my old man. After watching uh, Phil Rizzuto. And he got me into it. And, why, yeah. and then uh, the second one was Monty Python. Because oh. that was on PBS WITF on Sunday nights oh. at around 11 o'clock at night. I never watched the show until I saw uh, The Holy Grail. Really? See, I watched all the series up to and the Holy Grail. I watched Grail. the Holy Grail, and I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, I got to watch all that. Well, all those shows are great. I mean, just... You weren't a Python guy? No. How about a Second City TV guy? No. Hmm. Saturday Night Live guy? Definitely, because I, that, was, that was back right when I was uh, at that age, and so the original ones, of course. I remember the original cat. I mean, I remember Stan... I remember my parents, it's like 76 or 77, yep. or maybe earlier than that. I'm like five or six years old, and my... My mom's like, do you want to stay up to watch Saturday Night Live? And I'm like, why would I stay up to watch a John Travolta movie at 1130 at night? I'm just a little boy. And she goes, no, son, not Saturday Night Fever. It's a show called Saturday Night Live. And so I said, yeah, you're letting me stay up. I was a little kid. So I remember watching it, and they had uh, Mr. Bill, the uh, the Play-Doh. <laughs> oh, Mr. The Play Bill. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, no. oh, no. My dog Mr. has a toy, a Mr. Bill toy. A squeezy toy. He was it. Like Mr. And it Bill squeezes. Was, Mr. Bill is like on every T-shirt at the beach that year yeah. in Jersey. And I had like a Mr. Bill shirt, and I was so proud of it. But I remember watching that with John Belushi, with Chevy Chase. Did you get into the uh, Blues Brothers? Love the Blues Brothers. Great movie. Love How the about Blues Brothers. Because him? I got into the Blues Brothers because of Saturday Night Live. 
because my parents said, you know what? He's seven, eight, nine years old, but we're still going to expose him to this stuff, which I appreciated. So when Blues Brothers came out, what is that, like 80, 81, yeah. 82 yeah. maybe? Yep. Right. I mean, I, I just I, – I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I remember just this weekend, Animal House came on with Belushi. <laughs> what a great so, show. so my son is there. He's 19. And I go, oh, Carter, we're going to watch this. Let's just watch this. And he goes, you say that every time this movie on. comes on. And he hates it. I said, have you ever seen this? He goes, no. And I'm like yeah. – they don't appreciate it. And then, I, and then, then like I'll, six months I from now, every yeah. every line. I remember every I, line. I remember I watched it with my dad the first time, and it was unedited. And there are certain unedited uh, parts in that movie. Yeah. And you get to that point, and I don't know if I've ever talked about this or not, but you know, it is really weird to watch certain unedited things in front of your parents. Mine was mine was airplane, airplane the movie with airplane. my mom. Yeah. At the Colonial Park Theater. Yeah, and you're it was just, crazy. You just want to like when you're in the room with your parents, <laughs> and you watch a film like Animal House, and certain parts come on. Uh, you just wanna, certain parts come you on. You want to yeah. leave the room, yeah. like you just don't feel comfortable. No. <laughs> to this day, hey, so I'm glad to be back in the studio. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. You know, I think my long, of, my long road of traveling is it's over. Been, thank you for coming back. It's been yeah. a long yeah. trip to get you back here. I have to tell you, though, uh, you flew the plane like a central Pennsylvania radio icon. I mean, yeah. you really, you he really. Was li- he, he, well, he, he was, no he was listening, Dave. It's okay. I just want to tell he you, flew it like Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, I want to tell you, you did really, or Bob <laughs> Hayes. It was Bob Hayes actually fly that plane. Yeah, that's right. I want to tell you, you did a great job, Frank, and thank you so much for sitting in the captain's chair and, and working with did? me, working with me what? while I was far away. What? What did I just do? Yeah, what did he just I do? I gave you a compliment. No, I appreciate that. It was a very. Do you think it was backhanded? Because it wasn't. Okay. What, what? Is he overly sensitive? I, I, I don't know. I, what? Do? I didn't catch that. I so don't know what. We're going to start already. We're five, six minutes into this show, and he thinks I insulted him when I thanked him. No, you kind of just left me hanging, a ba- holding the bag. Hey, listen, let me ask you a quick question. Sure. Because uh, the next segment, look, by the way, guys, uh, today we got Bill Thomas joining us again, our old buddy, talking about uh, sports gaming in Pennsylvania. Going to get an update halfway through September. We're going to see where we are. As always, listen to the tour live on the iHeartRadio app, WHP580.com's podcast page. And as everybody knows, our show airs on the mothership every Saturday at 2 o'clock on WHP 580. But one thing I want to talk about before our next segment is I just want to touch on real briefly. What do we got, like five minutes? Yep. The Pennsylvania governor's race. Hmm. Is it the quietest Pennsylvania governor's race of all time? Yeah, no TV ads, no newspaper stories. Some TV ads. Yes. I saw some negatives. Wolf is is Aaron about Wagner. I saw some uh, 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 Wagner, Scott Wagner uh, ads that are starting to air. Of course, we have Scott Wagner, the Republican challenger, uh, successful self-made businessman from York County against incumbent Democrat Tom Wolf, uh, family business, also out of York County. they're running against each other. It's clear they don't like each other. Uh, but it's been the most boring race of all time. In a month ago. And there's a month ago. And I just want to say this. It's just kind of been grading on me for a while. I, I don't know what you got. Frank, have you paid attention to this race? 
No, I don't even know what's happening. Right? <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. The issues, right? Where do they stand on the You don't know. I mean, because no, I don't even know, know who's running. I know Wolf's yeah. the governor. That's I all I know. I filled you in, right? Like, yeah. you're like, you oh, did. oh, there, there I don't go. even have a clue of what's going on. I think Milton Shop's still there. Remember when we were growing up? Dick Thornburg have a chance? Remember when we were growing up? There's like Dick Thornburg, Bob Casey was running. Right. Tom Right. You know, really big races. I hear there's a problem at TMI also going on this weekend. <laughs> really interesting times. But, um, now look, I just want to say this. I just want to get this off my chest about this race. Is, um, you know, I've never been much of a Scott Wagner supporter. I think he's a little too conservative for me. And I think uh, Tom Wolf's a little too liberal for me. Yeah. But what I really dislike about this race is Tom Wolf has only agreed to do one debate in this race. And part of what drives news in an election, in a campaign as important as this, is traditionally there are three gubernatorial He's debates. Playing it safe. Listen, I under, look. Don't don't. Let me riff a little bit here, and then you can come back with your predictable. Uh, uh, I just want to challenge what you're saying because I feel like it comebacks. <laughs> it is it is a disservice to right. Pennsylvania. It is a disservice to voters that the seated governor of this Commonwealth only does. One debate. One. I mean, it's just that simple. He wants to only do one debate. And there's a column in today's uh, uh, Philadelphia Daily News by noted columnist John Bear. And he asked Wolf, or somebody asked Wolf why he'd only do one debate. And he goes, Well, I'm, I'm working hard every day. I'm out there every day talking. Cam. I've been talking about the campaign for months. That's right. All they talk about, though, is the picadillos of each other. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about issues. So you got one shot. One debate, and I believe it's October 1st. I, I might have the date wrong. In Hershey, moderated by, of all people, Alex Trebek, you know, that noted titan of journalism, Alex Trebek. $500. Yeah, is going to be moderating a debate between Scott Wagner and Tom Wolf. And I just, I just have to say that if it was a Republican incumbent only proposing one debate and getting away with it, there would be blood, literally political blood in the streets over this. But people don't care because Wagner's not popular and Tom Wolf's a nice guy. And I just think it just contributes to the ongoing uh, lack of information education voters have. And I think Tom Wolf really needs to think twice about this and hold three debates. It's good for Pennsylvania, for its candidates for governor, to talk about issues. And for them to just basically say we're winning and we're coasting, so we're only going to do one debate, it just sets a horrible precedent in Pennsylvania. But Senator Bob Casey Jr., the Democrat, he's only agreed to two debates uh, in his uh, reelection for in his reelection race for the United States Senate. I mean, and we don't hold these people accountable. If I were every newspaper in this state, and every television station, and every radio station. I would band together and say we are not endorsing any candidates for these offices until there's a suitable number of debates so that voters can get the information they need. And that's the that's the biggest thing that I think I think the media Well, needs you're to giving more up. credit to the media than what exists. I, I, I don't disagree with that, but somebody needs to do something and who does who do candidates go after? They go after the media, they want they want good stories in the media, they want they look, they do editorial boards, so they want endorsements. I would hold out endorsements. I would specifically hold out endorsements in the governor's race if uh, if if there's only going to be one debate. You're telling me the Patriot News Pen Live endorsement still carries weight? There's what nothing left I, of them. What did I just say, Parksy? 
Yeah, he agrees with you. Yeah, but what did I just say? But they don't yeah. carry, yeah. So, You're so, saying to hold out. I'm saying it doesn't matter. They don't even carry weight. And I'm saying candidates seek endorsements. Right. They seek it's those important endorsements. To them. So pull the endorsements back until there's, you know, use the leverage well, that you have. Do not endorse. How can you endorse between two candidates for governor after just one debate? What I'm saying is the endorsements don't matter anymore. I don't think they matter. Do, do you are we having this conversation, Parksy, and, and sort of Frank's over there just kind of like doing his own thing? No, I see what Is he's that, trying to point out, but I, I see what you're trying to point out that it's you totally, know it matters Frank, to candidates. It matters Frank. to candidates, but it Frank, matters to candidates. But, but it doesn't but Frank, matter to the public. So what? Yes. But that's what I'm saying. It doesn't oh, for matter. God's sake. Are we done? It's a segment over. Yes. Sure, it's your Good. show. Be done. Good. Turn the mics off. That's, Go to stupid music, and we're done. It's a moronic statement to make. All right. What's moronic? We'll back. Latour Communications, WHP 580, WHP580.com. This is Latour Live with Dave Latour on News Radio WHP 580. And my on air. Fiance Frank Schofield. Yeah, I should be added to that uh, intro. The Latour show. I, I kind of think you should. Right. I do have them with you. Do you? Dave and Frank. Fair. With Dave and Frank. I, think, I do I, a lot of heavy lifting around here. Now back to Latour Live with Dave and Frank on oh, News yeah. Radio WHP 580. I've got no problems with that. I'd like to hear my last name. I don't have an ego like Frank. I'm totally cool with that <laughs> like kind Frank of stuff. Frank Schofield. Totally cool with that. Mr. So listen. Mr. would be great. So, so I've been away, Sir. and so I've had some, I've had some questions circulating. I'm ignoring both of you. I've, I've had some, <laughs> I've had some thoughts. I want your take on something. I'm going to ask you some questions. Is this like okay. a hot box? It's not a hot box at all. <laughs> kind of how you steal hot box bit? rip off. Not okay. a hot box at all. So it's a question I asked on Twitter. I'm actually running a poll on it, and so the question is: Should men still wear cologne? Is cologne uh, over? I'll answer that. Yes. I'm going to go yes. Really? I like cologne. Oh, yeah. What cologne I mean, do you wear? Um, Dave, that's, that's a personal question. Yeah, but you I have a couple different. I have a, I like the Varvatos. I like uh, I like something light. John Varvatos? I like light. You like light. I like Millionaire. That's a nice one. It's the only reason I ask. What about you, Parks? I like whatever my wife gives me. Okay. Do you wear yeah. cologne every day? Do you put yes. it on? Yes. Well, you're the second person that's brought that up to me in a week because somebody else mentioned that. Well, I to got me. into a car. I got a, a loaner car. I said some work done on my car, and I get in the car, and the oh, guy picks me up, and reeks. he reeks like cologne. Yeah. And and so I I ask myself a fundamental question: Aren't we done with cologne? Like, isn't it over? Light. Isn't it over? So I ran a poll on Twitter, highly scientific. Yes. Highly scientific Twitter poll. Twenty-seven respondents. Should men still wear cologne? The first answer is yes. I like throwing up. And the other alternative <laughs> is, you say that? Why you is, say no, yes? is no, I'll throw up. Hmm. And the respondent, 63% say no. Men should no longer wear cologne. And I have to tell you, I wore cologne until about two years ago. I, there's a certain cologne that I used. It was a sandalwood cologne. It lasted me five years. My my take is on cologne is Little little bit on yes. on the back of your wrist, touch your neck just a little bit so it's barely there. It should almost be you should barely be able to tell that somebody's using cologne. 
But when I ran out of that cologne, guess what happened? Well, they discontinued it. Guess what happened? I searched around for different colognes. Couldn't find now, it. I don't wear it anymore. And aftershave is fine, and it's not cologne. Right. You know, aftershave? I, yeah. It, That's archaic. Aftershave is That's, not. I use a cream. No, no, no. I Old use spice. a cream. Old spice. I use a cream. I a use, cream I use aftershave. Kiehl's, I use a Kiehl's cream. It's really, really yeah, good. It's like 70 years old. It's also SPF 30. Right. So you know. Yeah, that's also good. Is that called an ARP coupon on the back for Cracker Barrel? He's on a roll today. You even laughed at that one. Yeah, he's on a roll today. I just think cologne's over. I think it's I don't. done. I don't. I think it's, okay, next question. Sure. Favorite movies, and you can pick three. Favorite movies filmed in Pennsylvania, not set. I don't even know. Not set in Pennsylvania. Favorite well, movies. Get, I don't even know. Well, Rocky is, of course. Girl interrupted. My top three. My top three. Yeah. The Deer Hunter. Yes. Rocky. Well, right. Witness. Those are the Ooh, top. Those are the only ones, though. Those no, are the are a bunch oh, of my tons. God, they are not. Okay, here's just a partial list. This is this should have been your new job, Frank. You should okay. be working for the Bureau signs, of Films. Signs. Right. Transformers. Mm -hmm. The Blob in 1958 was filmed in Valley Forge. Guess who starred in The Blob? Uh, Burt Reynolds. <laughs> sort of close. Go. It was the on-air debut for a young actor named Steve McQueen. Wow. And the part he played in the blob, Steve McQueen. <laughs> he, he got wow. offered $3,000 to play. The blob was filmed in Pennsylvania. Marley and Me, oh, The Village, yep. The Sixth Sense, Girl Interrupted. Couple movies filmed oh, in Harrisburg. Harrisburg. was a horrible movie. Horrible. And, and they, I had that figured out ten minutes. Movie, could be one of the worst movies of all what? time. Somebody said Which on one? Twitter. Somebody said on Twitter. Came back and said. Uh, came back and said uh, the village is Sean is Sean Crampesia, a listener to our show. And I'm like, what are you crazy? I figured that ending out in ten minutes. I knew the ending to it the just village. Made me angry in ten because you Stupid. didn't figure it out in ten minutes. It's just I dumb. knew in ten minutes. And I had to sit there. Dumb. Was George Romero's film? movies filmed in Harrisburg? That are that There's everybody no way remembers. You had that figured out in ten minutes. I did. No, oh, I knew How? it right away. By what clue? I knew it right away. But because there's probably a spoiler in Entertainment no. Weekly that you get every week and you knew about it. No, because uh, what's his name who does did the movie? What's his name? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Um, M. Night Shyamalan. Okay. He has the unbelievable ending from Sixth Sense, and The Village was his next movie. And I'm like, what could be so outrageous at the end of this movie? That I'm like, the same this thing. is modern day. Yeah. They're set in modern day, and they ran away from technology. That's exactly... I came up with it right away. Oh, man, ruined it for me. Harrisburg Movies. Girl Interrupted. Yep. Lucky Numbers. Yep. Major League Two. Yes. Mannequin. Right. 1987. Mannequin. Major League Two was also in 1987. What about There's the so one... so many movies. Silver Linings Playbook. Taps. You forgot the one that RJ and I were in. What was that? A Distinguished Gentleman with Eddie Murphy. That's right. A Distinguished Gentleman. We were in the movie. So you got to pick. <laughs> so if you got to pick three movies that were filmed in Pennsylvania, can you do it? Another one, Creed, Creed Two, Rocky Two, Rocky Three, Rocky Four, Rocky Five, The Italian Job, National Treasure. But nobody thinks that, Dave. No one goes, "Oh, The Italian Job's my favorite PA Is film." Is he going to just complain about everything? I think it's an interesting question. It's a stupid question. Oh, it's a stupid question. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think, Parksy? Parks? 
I think it was a unique question to uh, go guys. into that different. Instead of saying, what, saying, like, what was your favorite movie? He went, what was your yeah, favorite movie filmed in Pennsylvania? Yeah, if the you were saying favorite Hunter. movie to stop there, that'd be fine. And Frank, Deer Hunter. Hey. Don't you remember the Deer Hunter? Yeah, but nobody thinks, oh, yeah, that's a PA movie. Yes, we oh, do. Really do. No, absolutely. It's yeah. rural Pennsylvania. There was, a, there was a Tom Cruise movie that's about him the, being a high school I was just about star. to bring that up. All the right moves. All the right moves, Frank. But what was, that wasn't even the most famous movie filmed in Johnstown. Hold it. Frank, slap Frank, shot. Frank, slap shot. Yeah, Frank, look Frank. at you. Here he comes. Now he's got a smile on his face. Would you consider Slapshot the best movie ever filmed in Pennsylvania? Uh, You'd have to with Paul Newman, no. right? And it's hockey and you're a hockey guy. Yeah, Frank. Now it's all coming together. It's not even a good, and, it's just a bad time. And the wrestler, the wrestler. You love Nobody professional can't. wrestling. Mickey Rourke, the wrestler was oh, filmed Frank. in Pennsylvania. But you've learned a lot today, Frank. Was any uh, George Romero's, was the original Night of the Living Dead filmed in? Night of the Living Dead was filmed here. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead was filmed in Pennsylvania. Frank loves zombies. Well, did you just have lunch with Todd Schill and all of a sudden you have all the Pennsylvania <laughs> films? Flashdance. Was filmed. Oh, in I part love Flashdance. That's that's one of my favorites. Obviously, Philadelphia, Oscar-winning Philadelphia, was filmed oh, in now, Pennsylvania. See, Frank's thinking now. Hey, guess what wasn't filmed in Pennsylvania, Frank? What? Groundhog Day was hmm. not filmed in Pennsylvania. One of the most famous movies you would think of that Frank clearly did not. Groundhog Day was not filmed in well, Pennsylvania. My favorite is the Blair Witch Project. I thought that was my which favorite. is not filmed in Pennsylvania. Oh. No, it was in Maryland. Hey, no. do you remember that? Yes. Hey. Did you like that movie? That was uh, that was featured on a uh, Nat Geo special the I other night Blair about Wish the nineties. Good movie. Yeah, about the nineties. Made a lot of money back then. Camcorder. Oh, that was awesome. That was that before was awesome. internet. That was before internet, wasn't it? Was. Well, I said nobody spoiled it. Here's and, my last question. Completely off topic. Did you Should, just did you just have have a little movement there? What? I, I just I yeah I burped. Yeah. I was just trying not to burp in the microphone for everybody. It happens. I, well, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's your cologne, Frank. It made him burp. Yeah. So I had to burp, but I didn't burp into the microphone, so I avoided it, and Frank brought it Called up and said it. I shouldn't do it. You shouldn't, man. You don't which call. I did, which I didn't do. You don't call you, you a man. You those things. You don't call a man when he's, like, in your public. Like, if say, if you had to scratch <laughs> your nose, and he'll say, hey, man, are you picking your nose? A man doesn't do that to another You're man, Frank. You're having a bad day. Not really? You're having a bad day. Dave was trying to be cool on the air, let it go past like you taught him in no, radio. You just seen the face, and then I heard air. Guess what else was filmed in Pennsylvania? What? Mars Attacks. Oh, yeah. I like Mars Attacks. My, My favorite girl. Was, was Jack Nicholson. That's right. In Mars Attacks. <laughs> he was the general. <laughs> no, he wasn't he the was. general, was he? He was something. Yeah, he was. He was, a no, he was the president. He was the president. <laughs> School ties was filmed <laughs> in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Frank's going to be bringing that, that up on Netflix tonight. That was the stupidest movie. <laughs> He's going to be up in his office this <laughs> afternoon watching that. I, you know what? I'm just going to go on a limb here and say Frank has really not offered anything on the show today. He's just been a disruptor. <laughs> Team America was good. Was that filmed in Pennsylvania? See what I mean? See what I mean? With He's the a, puppets? A disruptor. My last question. Should the Senate confirm Brett Kavanaugh? The Supreme Court. Of course they should. It's moving too fast for us to even comment no. on No. Should he? Should he or should he not? I mean, As yeah. we're standing here, we tape the show every Wednesday. How much time we got, Parksy? Uh, about a minute, but we can trim. Yeah, we, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about this. Should he or should he not? You got to give this girl. You got to find out Woman. what happened. Woman. You got to find out what happened. But I don't, if she doesn't want to testify, then what are you going to do? The biggest problem that I have is 
again, the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party sitting on this letter for a long, long time through the confirmation process, through the meetings that they had with Kavanaugh one on one, and then throwing this out here to gum up the works and delay it and 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 hold off the uh, the confirmation until after the election. And she won't test. And she won't testify she, until there's an FBI investigation. What's up with I am, that? I am. And you all, can't hold up. You can't hold up the vote. And let me be very no. clear. Let me be very clear in this Me Too environment. I want to believe her. Right. Any woman that comes forward, I start out now with, I want to believe you. But there's so much on the line here. I mean, the president, Democrats have done nothing but disrupt. Uh, you know, they were the ones who complained when, when Donald Trump said he didn't know if he would accept the election results or not. And they have done nothing but obstruct for the last, which is what the opposition party always does. But, you know, my take on it is, if you're if if she does not come forward, and I feel like she's in a horrible spot, she didn't want to come forward in the first place. No. De- Senate Democrats leaked her letter out, leaked everything out about this. Well. A Democrat staffer, a junior yeah. staffer. She did not. She did not want to. She did not want to come forward. She wanted to report this and not come forward. My point is, we are guilt. We are innocent until proven guilty in this country. Right. And if she will not come forward, if she did not want to come forward, if she does not want to testify, I do want to believe her, okay? But I think we can all agree as Americans, as people who believe in due process in Pennsylvania and in America, if she's not going to come forward and tell her side of the story, you have to confirm him. You absolutely have to confirm him. If evidence comes out to the contrary through her testimony, if she testifies, that would lead that would lead to some credibility in this, then he should not be confirmed. It's just that simple. But you can't leak something out out there, create all this doubt. We are just pawns. We are absolutely pawns to Mm -hmm. Washington. This is all all going to plan. People gumming up the works. I I feel bad for George Washington that our capital has been named after George Washington because the city is just a disgusting cesspool of politics. That's all I'll say on it. All right, hey, we're going to be right back with uh, Bill Thomas, President, Mid-Atlantic Strategic Solutions. We're going to talk a little sports gaming in Pennsylvania. We'll be right back. Latour Live, WHP 580, WHP580.com. Hear Latour live anytime online on our podcast page at whp580.com. And welcome back to Latour Live. Um, here with uh, Michael Parks. Yeah. Uh, Frank has had to depart yes. uh, for the rest of the day. I think Frank needs to kind of restructure himself a little bit. Forgot his light mug there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he'll be back once he's done playing Sudoku or something. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to interrupt his day. Get in the middle of his day. Hey, I want to bring in our guest, a good friend of the show, Bill Thomas, President, Mid-Atlantic Strategic Solutions. As always, Bill is so great, gracious with his time to talk to us about one of our favorite topics, gaming and sports betting in PA. Bill, how are you? Good. How's everybody doing? <laughs> good, Bill. Bill gets to listen in to our discussions uh, before we come back out. You okay, Bill? I'm great. I'm great. All right, cool. Yeah. Hey, Bill. So last <laughs> we joined you, um, we just started having some casinos, Penn National and one other, I believe, um, that were uh, uh, 
uh, filing applications to uh, conduct legal sports betting in PA. What's the latest? Where are we on that? Uh, we still only have two casinos that applied so far. It, you're right, Penn National here in uh, central Pennsylvania, and then uh, Parks Casino up in Bucks County. They, um, they've, they're the only two to apply so far. Um, and uh, the, the Gaming Control Board right now is reviewing those applications. They have a 90-day a review period, um, but the, the two casinos have asked for kind of an expedited, expedited process. Because so, it's football you know, season. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think we're still looking at a, you know, at a November uh, launch date, but it could be as far out to December or January, depending on you know the review process and if their applications are all in line with what the board needs to to do with them. So, what do you think at at the end of the day? And I always kind of pin you, try and pin you down on this. What are, where are we looking at? What kind of timeline in all this? Uh, I mean. I, I still, as I said, I said, I still think November is is uh, a target. I still think November one, somewhere around there, could be uh, a, a rational, you know, timeline here. But you know, it all depends on on the gaming control board's work if they're able to get the review period done uh, with you know shorter than those ninety days that they're requiring in in the regs. Um, you know, it could be out to December. It could even be the the be- start of 2019 but I, I do think there is a push to to try to get this done by November 1 um, I'm still going to stick with that I think I said that a couple you did ago, say that, that buddy November 1 yeah so I think that's I mean I, I know they want they want to do that the gaming control board doesn't want to be on on the hook for for not having bets placed um, during football season I saw one statistic that in Nevada between August and September the bets go up 150 <laughs> percent just between August and September, and New wow. Jersey's about New Jersey's about to enter that. I mean, they're in that now, and and it looks like they could hit a quarter of a billion dollars in handle. Mm, um, just in handle. That's not that's not just profit. That's just the the, yeah. the number the volume of of wagers made. Correct? Right. That's that's all of the wagers made. Um, you know, they're, they've already collected. I think they hit um, ninety two million dollars in uh, in handle. Um, in August, and they're going to go up to. They could be have a, like I said, a quarter million dollar, a quarter billion dollars for next month, just because of football season. How did they do it in Jersey? Did they have to apply and do all this stuff, or did they just all everybody went all in? No, they. I, you know, New Jersey's climate's a little bit more um, in line with what the casinos would like to see in terms of tax rate and and uh, fees to, to to get in. So they're they're all in. They. You know they have online and mobile up and running too, which also saw kind of a bump in an increase in in bets for the month of August. Um, you know they are they are doing really really well. Uh, Meadowlands up in the northern part of the state is a third of all the revenue that's coming in. All the bets wagers are bet at the Meadowlands because of the New York City market. And the tax rates. Um, let, they, let me just stop you real quick, Bill. The yeah. tax rates yep. lower significantly lower in New Jersey. Can you? Can you compare the tax rates again, just to, just a reminder? <laughs> yeah, thirty six percent here in Pennsylvania and eight and a half percent in New Jersey. I mean, thirty six percent is the highest tax rate in the country for sports betting, and and in the and, world. In the world, I'm sorry, <laughs> in, the, in world. the world, and then and number two is not even close, not not right, even comparable right. to thirty. And and I understand. Right. I've had some conversations subsequently why it's so high, and the answer I get is. The legislators, when they when they did this, 
they knew the number was way too high, but it was all about making budget numbers. It was all about just filling in holes in the state budget and, and, and basically throwing numbers out there so they can say they balance the budget. Uh, not knowing, truly knowing whether or not they'll get enough, they'll get enough of a handle to to develop that tax revenue. Yeah, I think I think part of it too was to just to keep, you know, the gaming industry consistent with the high tax rates all across the board. I mean, we you know we have a high, we have the highest tax rate in the country on slots at fifty five percent. You know, our, our our table games tax rate is pretty rational; it's at fourteen percent. But you know, for iGaming, we went up to 54% or 55% on on the slot side for internet gaming. Um, so I think they wanted some consistency in there to try to uh, not have the argument of, of picking winners and losers as well. But the budget did play a role in in a lot of the expansion, um, the bill that was passed uh, last October. Let me ask you this: um, What do you think? What is that tax rate the primary reason? Uh, what do we got? Twelve, ten other casinos in Pennsylvania have not applied for a sports gaming license. Would you I, pin yeah, it on I, that I, tax I would, rate? Tax rate and the ten million dollar fee um, licensing fee, right? So, so not only are you slapped with a thirty six percent tax rate, but then you have to pay ten million dollars just to get in the door. And although I think that the the ten million dollars is is I think the casinos could deal with that. Um, couple that with the high tax rate, it just it the the risk. Um, doesn't out. I mean, outweighs their reward. Um, for for Penn National, it, it might have made sense since they're here in Central Pennsylvania. They have pro- property in in West Virginia, um, so they're not necessarily worried about you know um, you know the the competition. Um, but they also have uh, OTBs and and mini casinos that are also going to be able to have sports wagering. So I think you they can calculated. Sports, you can wager in those mini casinos. I wasn't aware of that. Once those are yeah, open. I mean that that so I mean you know I, that seems to be my interpretation of of of, of the law. Um, I know that that might be something that's going to be debated potentially, but I think I think the intent was for them to 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 be able to to do everything that a licensee is able to do. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, but I, I do know. From the OTB perspective, um, I think that's another reason why you saw Parks sure. jump in. Um, they have an OTB right at Lincoln Financial Field for the for the right in the parking lot there. Um, they have a turf club there that's right at the sports complex. So I think they're thinking that alone is worth the risk. Um, sure, because they're going to get some a lot of a lot of foot traffic on on game day and and even from the other sports uh, for the Sixers and the and the Flyers, they'll get a lot of foot traffic through that area there. So, you know, I, I, but, but for the other casinos who might be battling with West Virginia, um, New Jersey, you know, the, the Philadelphia casinos, I think are looking at it. Um, they have some online components in, in New Jersey, um, at a lower tax rate, you go over the bridge and you're in New Jersey and you can gamble online at a lower tax rate. I think they're looking at the, the risk is far too great for them in Pennsylvania right now. We're talking about uh, Bill. Doesn't mean Tom. they won't. Go ahead. But you know, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to. No, yeah, no, no. You know, that's doesn't fine. Mean they won't. You know, it doesn't mean they won't in 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 a couple of months if they see, you know, things start to really heat up. But I, I but the tax rate absolutely um, is a hindrance to us getting those, you know, all twelve or thirteen casinos in. 
We're talking with Bill Thomas, President, Mid-Atlantic Strategic Solutions, our go-to guy on all issues gaming here in Pennsylvania. So we've got about uh, two minutes left here, Bill. So when we talk high tax rate for our listeners, what does that mean? So you bet on a football game. You place a $50 bet on a football game. What's going to be the difference in Pennsylvania versus other lower tax states? Can you describe that to them? Yeah, I think so. So assessed on every bet is um, what's called a VIG. So they put a number, um, a percentage of your wager that kind of accounts for the casino's um, handling of that bet. Um, it's a processing fee. It's a processing fee. That's a good way to put it. Great way to put it. And I, the casinos aren't um, making money on one side of a bet or the other. They actually want wagers on both sides of a game. They want balance because then they'll make money on, on the processing fee and then they pay out what comes in, they pay out with what they have to pay out. Um, even some, I didn't even really know this, and I've been in this for a while, that some casinos are layoff bets to other casinos if they have too much action. So if the Eagles, uh, Philadelphia casinos are seeing a lot of money bet on Philadelphia Eagles, they can take their own money and then lay off the Eagles bet on a to another casino to kind of balance their their uh, the numbers a little bit, um, and that's why you see spreads shift and and numbers you know go up and down throughout the week. It just depends on how much how much money is going on to one side of the wager or the other. In 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 higher tax states, that vig that processing fee will be higher, or your payout if you win will be less. Lower, um, and that's the concern. So your bet will be a, a better value in New Jersey or West Virginia than it would be in Pennsylvania. Or your local illegal bookie. Well, and and I think that's more the concern is, is sure. from from state to state the difference might not be it'll be it'll be enough to to of a to notice but the the illegal bookies will be able and the online offshore accounts will be able to offer some more incentives to you to stay with them. Um, then the casinos would be able to offer you in the regulated legal environment. I don't think Pennsylvania ever realized it at the time, but with that high tax rate, they created more competition for themselves with existing book action, illegal book action, than they probably realized. Tax rates are definitely the um, the number one um, inhibitor to what's called channeling of getting people off of illegal sites and onto regulated legal sites. Um, whether it's iGaming or whether it's for sports wagering. So the higher the tax rate, the less people you get coming over to the, to the regulated side. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's definitely one of the biggest um, issues. And it, I think that'll be one of the things we'll see in the coming months to a year as the data comes in that we could be doing so much better. We were positioned to be a leader um, uh, with, with kind of acting before PASPA was overturned. We had we were we were positioned to do really well, and you know we'll see. Um, it's 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 it's. I, I think I think we'll be able to watch and see how the market goes, and 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 it'll correct itself. Um, and hopefully the legislature will take a look at tax rates down the line, and 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 try to make some adjustments there to make us more competitive. We uh we we've been talking with Bill Thomas, President Mid Atlantic Strategic Solutions. Bill predicts sports gaming will be legal and available. Well, it is legal now, but just not available. But will be available at uh at Hollywood Casino at Penn National right around November first. That's his prediction. Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, look forward to having you on again as always. Thanks for everything. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bill. Thanks we'll a lot. Be- 
We'll be back here on uh, Latour Live, WHP 580, WHP580.com. Latour Live lives on our podcast page at WHP580.com. Welcome back to Latour Live. I'm your host. I'm co-host Liz. Um, uh, we sent Frank away for the rest of the day. Uh, Parksy, hey. glad to have you here, man. That's here. We're, we're glad doing to it. have you here. You're we're the man. It. Yeah, we're doing it. You're the man. How long have you been doing this, Parksy? Oh, my God. How long have you been doing radio? 40 years since I graduated, right the day I graduated uh, college in 79. Went you, to work. You clearly wanted to do it 40 years ago. You yes. wanted to do it. It's something that. Yes, I'm doing. I'm one of those guys who I'm doing something that I've always dreamed of doing. And went why to did you dream it. of doing it? What I, got you into it? I I just love I love the music side of it. But then I realized that a lot of my talent evolved in being the the funny guy, the personality, the clown. But also then the writing came into it, so it kind of like all molded together. Yeah, you know. So I and plus I love doing. I get to do so much stuff here. You know, so I get to write, I get to produce, I get to, you know, do my own show, I get to do other things. So it's kind of, it's been fun. To put your longevity in context, which is very rare today, 40 years in radio. Yeah. I'm 48 years old. Yeah. So you started when I was eight, you know, just, just to age you, okay, just yeah. to, for you to figure it all out here. Right. But so let me ask you this question. Is it still fun after all these, do you still like it? Um, the industry has changed so much that it's not as much fun as it once was because there were so many things going on. Now it's a lot more, you're doing more with less people. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's the, the, the sad part of it. Uh, not enough staff and people and, uh, Things have changed. You know, back in the days when you had the owner, which was upstairs, and you were like the local radio station, and you yeah. kind of controlled everything, and the bosses were controlling everything. Um, but now it's 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 pretty much anything. It's a very very corporate controlled. You know, not to say anything bad about that, but it's sure. you know it just it is what it is. It is what it is, and I understand. You know, you have to make money in this business, and it's just uh, it's kind of like taking a leap. It's not a nonprofit. No. No. I think some people think it is. You know, yeah. like people think newspapers are, and why don't newspapers do this, and why do they only cover this, and why does TV stations go negative all the time and show us murders? Because they're for-profit companies. Yes. You know, they know, that their research tells them what people watch and listen to. Yeah, the only good thing is that with the talk portion, talk radio is still that creativity and that ability to entertain and do what you want and be yourself still exist. Almost anybody who's worked in the music side of radio, now you're, you know, you're playing the songs that were picked out for you. Yeah. You can't really talk too much. There's not much personality. Back in the day, you did, though. Yes, because everybody knows when you listen to the radio, you listen to the DJs. You know, you love, you had your favorite DJ and you played your music. Now it's not that case. It's all about the music. And, you know, it's, it's a jukebox. Whereas all those people now, but I was still on the talk side, the news side of it, where you still have that ability, like we're doing now, where you come on and do a show, like RJ was talking to that one listener. He goes, what's this Latour show all about? Yeah. You know, and it's ability just to come on. And sometimes it's it could be about anything and everything. You know, let me clear that up. What is this Latour show about? Mm-hmm. Anything. Right. The answer is anything that's, and nothing. That's good. Nothing 
and anything. If we, I mean, we can smoothly transition from the Pennsylvania governor's race to favorite Pennsylvania movies, movies. to the Supreme Court of the United States Into to sports g- gaming. Yeah. And that tells you that this shows about everything and nothing right. or anything. Right. And I think, too, that it should be, you know, there's a, there are a lot of shows out there where people just need an escape and especially a local show where like a lot of our listeners tune in and they just need a laugh. They need a laugh. They want to learn some things. And we hope that they do that, too. But we want to make it entertaining. And I think that's, you know, that's the line that you got to have. You know, you could we don't want to be a screaming, yelling political. No way. But we want to be what what the people in the street are talking about. I'm trying to do the show that I want to listen to. I don't want to listen to Amen. the hard right wing radio guy, the hard left wing radio guy. I don't, I don't have Preaching, time. No. I don't have time for that. I no. don't want to listen to it. I mean, those people have their own audience, and God love them. You know, that's yeah. great. But I want to talk about something, nothing, anything. You know, that people like to talk about. Yeah, and I think that's stuff, what yeah. this show's all about. Like, right. what are you watching on TV? We do this every time. This. Every time at this point in the show, in our last segment, talk about what do you watch on TV? I know you don't like to watch a lot of TV. No. Here are the shows I'm watching. Right. Okay. Good. I'm watching Billions, which was a frank recommendation on Showtime. Also, a good friend of mine, John Norton, loves the show Billions. So I'm watching Billions on Showtime. Highly recommend it. It's a great look at the hoggishness of Wall Street but also how complicated investing is and, and how high-stakes mm. investing takes place on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, second-by-second basis. Yeah. I like that show. Another show is called The First, and I highlighted it last week, and now I'm four episodes in. It's an eight-episode series on Hulu. I like Dave likes Hulu. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dave likes Hulu. The first is about, it's set in 2031 through 2033, the first mission to Mars, and it's the first television series done by Sean Penn. Oh, wow. Some people love Sean Penn, some people hate Sean Penn, but one thing you can't argue about is that guy's a brilliant actor. Sure. Brilliant actor, and he does it well. And I got to say, I'm jealous of Sean Penn. He's in his 50s, and that that guy is built like he's 21. I mean... Like, I watch him on the show, and I go, what the heck? Why do do I look like crap? Yeah, what's he taking? Yeah. And then the last one I'm watching is Ozark Season 2. It's a little slow for me right now, but I'm going to hang with it because I think it's going to get better. But it's dark. Outside of that, on Sports Parksy, I'm having a hard time. Steelers are horrible. Are you a Steelers fan? I'm a Steelers fan. They're horrible. Oh, it's horrible watching that game. I can't watch the Steelers when they don't play defense. Can I turn the game off when they're on defense and just watch the offense? And then everybody's a whiny baby on that team. It's not fun to be a Steelers fan right now. No. A.B. walked off the field, took his helmet off. And, and, Walked and, away. And he didn't show up for practice on Monday. Right. What what an Come what on. an amateur move. You're a professional. You're the you're the second highest paid receiver in the league. A contract that, that kept gave him the highest paid status until just a few weeks ago. So he's been highest paid receiver in the league for a couple of years now. He's targeted thirty three times in two games and walks off the field. It's no fun to be a Steelers fan right no. now. You just expect so much better. And and I know people say this all the time, but I think I've gone on 11 years now. I just wonder if Tomlin has just kind of worn out in Pittsburgh. You know, with the exception of, like, the Bill Belichick, which is the gold standard, 
coaches kind of they have a shelf life in the NFL or any professional sports point, yeah. really for that matter. You know, ten years you're kind of talking about a shelf life there. I say that not know not or I say that knowing that just replacing the coach doesn't guarantee success. It doesn't guarantee success. But the Steelers have been pretty good at identifying head coaches through the years. I just don't know who's out there. Yeah. You know, there's it's tough, but you're right. It's like they have a way of finding somebody on a staff or somebody who's out there, and they bring them in, and they believe in the system, they believe in the family, and, and they believe in the coaching staff, and they can convert, and, and they bring up the best. So, of course, predictable, the uh, the dumb Steeler fan is saying, let's bring back Bill Cowher. I don't want to go back to no, Bill Cowher. I want to back. find the next Sean McVay, the coach yes. of the L.A. Rams. Yes. That's the guy I want to find. Yep. I want to find the coach like that. You know, young guy, cutting edge, you know, knows the game, can give us 10 years, longevity, consistency, and good coaching. He's probably That's, out there. He's out there somewhere. Yeah. He's out there. And then finally, you got to be happy with Penn State, but I've never been so depressed as a Notre Dame fan to be 3-0. and um, We're the... Notre Dame is the reverse of the Steelers. <laughs> really good defense, horrible no offense. offense. Horrible offense. And, Vanderbilt. And, and the little-known fact to all this is, is Notre Dame starting quarterback Brandon Wimbush originally committed to Penn State. He's mm. from New Jersey. Originally committed to Penn State under Bill O'Brien. When the sanctions hit, he backed out and went to Notre Dame. And I remember laughing at my Penn State buddies at the time. But now I'd give anything for him to have gone to Penn, to Penn State, State in the first place. Wow. So that's been tough. And then I'll just close out with this, buddy. Three straight losses for Tottenham oh. Hotspur. Three, oh. The first time in four years under Maurizio Pochettino, three straight losses. And quite frankly, tied with your arsenal. Yes. Tied with your arsenal on the, same, the on the same amount of points in the standings. Yep. I'm, I'm insulted by the whole thing. But you can still play the song. As always next week, yep. I'm still going to play the song. It's early in the season. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. We had Frank for uh, about a third of the episode. Uh, but I also want to thank Bill Thomas, President Mid-Atlantic Strategic Solutions, for joining us. We're going to be back next week with another bang-up show. We're going to have a lot of fun. Tune in with Tour Live WHP 580, whp580.com. 